The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. To Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402 466 ESPN or 1 800 825 5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. As uh, we gear up the eve of the NFL draft, how good a weekend will it be for some former Huskers? We'll dive into that with a draft hopeful in Hour 2. Damian Daniels going to join us. We'll also kick off Hour 2 with uh, Husker uh, legend and Hall of Famer Jason Peter, another preview of day by day the nebraska football documentary so that's on the way mike babcock and mike shuhart this hour room for you to get us kicked off at 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865 can email the show chris at hailvarsity.com and give us a follow on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt, that's me, and Elijah Herbal at Herbal Essence for Elijah. So have you changed your avatar to you and your mower? You're pretty fired up with an early morning text. Yeah, I'm out mowing my yard. Uh, does it look as good as Mike Babcock's yard? Well, see, I, I was hoping that, you, you know, whenever the, the grass comes in, it's my first mow of the year. I was hoping that once I got it all evened out, it'd be like, okay, you know what? It looks better than it I thought. It looks like Memorial Stadium. <clears throat> And I, I will say it does need a uh, fertilizer, a, a bit of fertilizer, <laughs> um, probably a little bit of water too, which is tough with the the, the little amount of water we've been seeing the sure. last couple of months here. So needs a little water, needs a little fertilizer, but but the start is there. We got some really good looking areas. We got some other areas that need a little bit of work, uh, especially the backyard. But the front yard is just looking it's it's looking like it's on pace to be a great yard come the end of May. It, you know, it's it's always an arms race between uh, your yard and does it look as good as Babber's yard? Does it look as good as Jack Pierce's front yard and backyard? yard that's the standard that's the the 12 and 0 11 and 1 uh type season uh, so yeah we'll 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 be the judge of that uh, but it's primed for for barbecue and everything yes yeah, it, it's all about there's the you can go and you can get the the five-star yard coming out of high school or you can develop it into a talent and, in. and, and i've been developing over the past couple of years and i think the, the fruits of my labor are going to pay off this see year. that's a good answer the the, <laughs> de- the the developmental yard the <laughs> developmental program and how much buzz are you feeling for the nfl draft are you fired up about it because it's it's a holiday uh or are you a little cool on this year's draft just because i mean the uncertainty is usually fun but you look at, at some of the the projections with who's going number one is it aiden hutchinson is it uh gonna be somebody else i mean there's 400 edge guys that are gonna go in the first round you all got to watch them uh, compete against Nebraska and, quite frankly, have some career days 
against Nebraska. Uh, Hutchinson, I mean, that's that's a guy you got to watch under the lights at Memorial Stadium. That's that's a Big Ten edge rush, rusher. Car, Carl Loftus, uh, Boy Mafe out of Minnesota. Uh, You've you got some guys that are late-round projections from Michigan State. You saw the trio of of Oklahoma guys, right? And and they are, you know, fourth, fifth round guys, but there there's not that wow quarterback in this draft per se. Maybe it turns out, oh wow, this is a great quarterback class. You just never know. It's it's a little bit more researched and refined than recruiting, but it's still a crapshoot where you look at as as good as Bill Belichick has been in New England, it's still throwing some darts. He hit on Brady. He's hit on some of his defensive guys. But you just never know how a guy is going to transition to the NFL. You never know how a guy is going to going to make the, uh, the the jump up. And can he stay healthy? Can he uh, adapt to the speed? That's what's pretty cool about the athletic story. On Levante David. It's been 10 years, Nebraska fans, since Levante David was picked uh, in the second round by Tampa. Uh, Greg Schiano and the former GM at, uh, at Tampa loved Levante. And they, they, the, the rest of the NFL wondered about Levante David's size. Is he a safety? Is he a linebacker? And, and no, Levante's uh, uh, a pro football Dare I say, Hall of Famer? Uh, with doesn't have as many Pro Bowls as he should, but a decade later, the guy's got a ring. Uh, entering into eleventh his eleventh year, twelve hundred career tackles, one hundred and thirty three of those for loss, and and you know fifty eighth pick overall, and he has been incredible to watch, and he still going strong and you you look at this athletic story about the oral history of Levante David Pick it was a no-brainer they were hoping to to grab him he had the Luke Keekley pick that went first round and Keekley's out of the league but he had an incredible career probably the, another hall of famer I think of the, the, there's three guys in that well, draft Keekley's the guy that kept Levante out of like 50 pro bowls well yeah and I think it was Keekley all pros Keekley Bobby Wagner and Levante David all were in the that's same a, draft that's an correct? incredible that's probably three hall of famers right yeah there. I think so and Levante's got got the ring to, to prove it but and the most longevity too yeah very durable uh, minimal missed time and Levante's story is really cool uh, about how uh, there was some familiarity. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul was a, a teammate of Levante's uh, down at uh, Fort Scott. I think it was Fort Scott. Pretty sure it was mm-hmm. Fort Scott. You're correct. And, and Nebraska lost out on Jason Pierre-Paul uh, off the edge, but they got Levante. Uh, Pierre-Paul went down to South Florida. He's thrived, and, and he's put up, you know, he's working on 100 career sacks. But you had a comp that's a name nobody wanted to whisper in Tampa. Can he be like Derek, Bro- Derek Brooks? Nebraska fans remember Derek Brooks for uh, his incredible play at, at Florida State in those Orange Bulls. But Brooks was a, a smaller outside linebacker, uh, you know, a will backer, and no one compares him to no one's compared to Derek Brooks, but Levante's like got some of those traits, and that's what Tampa was sold on. Even former Tampa coach 
John Gruden, what he was doing the draft, really liked what Levante brought to the table. But that's that's a story of well, the guy may from a physical standpoint be six foot two twenty five. Can he translate to the NFL? Uh, the the heart, determination, football smarts, and ability says yes, and he's proved it for now going into 11 years pretty cool and he's kind of one of those guys we've talked about jojo's path to the nfl for the past couple weeks it mm-hmm. feels like and i almost feel like levante is one of those guys that that was on the, the pioneering edge of this this linebacker getting smaller in the nfl he wasn't the first undersized linebacker but he was kind of the mold that a lot think of about all of coakley teams. for dallas growing up mm-hmm. dexter coakley was was smaller uh, Elvis Doomerville for uh, for Denver was a long arms. I, I would never guess he's under six foot, but he is. Mm-hmm. But to your point, you've got guys that can come in off the edge and also are really good in coverage. I mean, Levante's incredible in coverage. And, and he, I feel like Levante's almost been the leading edge of that in the NFL over the past 10 years and people are seeing what he's been doing for that Buccaneers defense. It might go undervalued. Uh, by some national media taken people. for granted. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. y- yes, the people in the league, yes, the coaches in the league, and they all understand what Levante has brought to that Buccaneers defense. And the only thing that hurts me about the whole situation is Levante David was off the board one after the Denver Broncos, who uh, had Levante David on the board and instead went with Brock Osweiler. See, and there were some teams trying to trade up to get Levante, but it, it goes to the bigger discussion point of Nebraska football. And Nebraska being a a program that is known for producing NFL talent, and Nebraska will will put guys into the league. Yeah, Nebraska's put a lot of guys into the league. We talked about this with Coach McBride, but you're going to have an opportunity this year for Nebraska to kind of get back to putting a number of guys that that sign on the bottom line either through the draft or as unrestricted free agents. And it's it's more open than ever because you want to get as good a player as you can at the cheapest price you can. And while the days of, of benching a first-rounder for an unsigned or undrafted free agent isn't super common, the, the Brady-Bledsoe story isn't super common, it did happen with Russell Wilson. Uh, Russell came in, third-round pick. Green, uh, Seattle just spent a ton of money on on a quarterback that Russell came in and beat out. Now, I don't know how much of that money was guaranteed, but, but Russell and Seattle thrived for about a three- or four-year window till you got to pay the guy top quarterback money. And what Nebraska has right now is Cam Taylor-Britt in that second-to-third-round projection Cam Jurgens right there, the same second or third round. Cam's going to be the second center taken off the board, and there's a lot of centers lining up, uh, specifically San Francisco or Arizona or Cincinnati. Those are the three, and even Philadelphia. I mean, they need to to, to think about a backup plan for, for Kelsey uh, just because he's played a number of years. I mean, those are your four teams that uh, one of those four, I think, will end up with with Jurgens and, and Linderbaum. So your, your second and third round slot, likely for Cam Taylor-Britt, Cam Jurgens, JoJo could be that fourth round to, to fifth round guy. And then does Austin sneak in to the, uh, the, the fifth through seventh window? Samari Toure's garnered a lot of interest 
from NFL teams. He's met with a lot of NFL teams, so he's either maybe a late round or a priority free agent. Ben Stilley, and, and listen, we'll talk to Damian Daniels here in about an hour. He understands that he's probably a sixth or seventh or a priority free agent. His brother went the priority free agent route, found a way to to, to get some some roster time uh, on the practice squad, and then also uh, a, a couple of ball games as well. I think Damian, his size and his athleticism, and thirty three tackles last year for Damian Daniels is an is a really nice number. I mean, it's not Sue or Peter type numbers when it comes to. 50, 60, I mean, Sue Damner had 80 tackles that senior season. But the point is, is you ask those big guys to, to get in the way and move the line of scrimmage, and it's gravy if they make the tackle before the linebacker gets there. Uh, Damien's a guy that I think has some upside. Same with Ben Stilley. I mean, Ben Stilley played really good football. He's an older guy. He's an incredible worker. He's been very durable. So those are those are some, some intriguing uh, storylines heading in not only where do some of these Nebraska kids go but how soon do they go and you know we, we can't leave out uh, Deontay Williams I mean Deontay Williams if he can stay healthy is a guy that I think is is so twitchy quick that I think he can come downhill and f- for sure be a special teams contributor somewhere if we're talking about making a roster or being a practice squad guy Markel Dismuke uh, also has uh, an opportunity. Same with Levi Falk. Um, so we'll see. Brandon Riley uh, had uh, quite a, a run in the NFL uh, when it came to to some practice squads and uh, and just kind of being on the fringe there. Really talented guy. Uh, turned some heads. Same with Demorne Pearsonell. I mean, he was always in camp. He was always in preseason action. It felt like. And you know, Nebraska is going to have a banner. 2022 when it comes to the NFL draft just because of the sheer number when when Monday hits there'll be uh, Nebraska will have a, a a pretty good number next to their name of of when it comes to schools that had teams either draft their kids or sign their kids and that's more uh, that's been the norm for a lot of years for Nebraska Nebraska climbing that ladder back up as a NFL producing school. And is it? I don't think it's unreasonable to think that you could have five or six guys make an opening day roster for the NFL, make it through training camp, and beyond that roster, whenever Week One rolls around, and you look at JoJo, uh, Cam Jurgens, Cam Taylor Britt, uh, Austin. Uh, Austin Allen. Uh, I think Damian Daniels can throw on that list, and I maybe even put Samari Touri on that list. Uh, I think he's falling out. Or Deontay Williams. There's realistically five or six guys that I think could be on an NFL roster, not just a practice squad, but actually on an NFL roster come week one. Because, I mean, I look at a guy like Deontay Williams and I say, whenever I watched his season last year, it, it, it surprises me a little bit that he's not coming in at the end of draft. Same with Samari Touré. Then I, I know this year's draft with all the COVID craziness means it's a super deep draft. There's a lot of talent all across the board coming from all conferences in this draft, except maybe at the quarterback position. Um, but everywhere else is really stacked, so I understand there's going to be some really talented guys coming out in free agency after the draft this season. But those are guys I look at and I go, wow, I think some NFL team is going to get themselves a steal, whether it be in the, the seventh round or as a, as a free agent with those guys. Because they, they impressed me last season, and I'm sort of surprised to not see them uh, coming in at the end of some mock drafts. Well, you, you look at Nebraska's recent history. Hymas going in the fifth round. Gifford, of course, part of that 2019 draft. He is stuck and done really well in Dallas. Stanley 
Uh, Morgan has been a guy that has carved out a new role as a special teams ace for Cincy, and he got extended. Seathan Carter. Mm-hmm. Seathan's a guy that, that didn't get drafted but made the, made the roster uh, for Cincinnati at tight end and then signed a free agent deal with Miami. Lamar Jackson wasn't drafted. We remember talking to Lamar, and while he was bummed out, I know he uh, – he got some early and and quite a few looks for the Jets. I mean, he started uh, a really quite a few, quite a handful of games. So that's that's some recency there. You still have Rex and Amir uh, in the league carrying the football, and uh, from a secondary standpoint, Prince and and uh, Dejon Gomes were guys from the Politi era. Josh Kalu, I think, still getting a paycheck uh, on special teams. Uh, Stanley Jean Baptiste, second round pick. Uh, so. Nebraska could, if Cam Taylor-Britt goes in that second round, could be the, the highest quarter picked since uh, Baptiste. And I know Fonzie's had some off-the-field stuff, but he was a pretty huge part of some of those New England titles uh, in the secondary. Mike Babcock's on the way with Hale Varsity. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show Podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio On Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for hanging out. Hale Varsity Radio on Wednesday presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Benches have cleared a little while ago between the Cardinals and Mets, and it was actually kind of good, if there is such thing. Johan Lopez throwing up and in on Nolan Arenado. And uh, the Mets uh, like to uh, sprint out of the dugout. So that has been uh, ongoing at, at Bush. We Now, have you talked with, with Junior at all about what he should do in a benches clearing brawl? Have you gone through the, the old double leg takedown versus squaring up with somebody argument i haven't gone there but carson has hit three batters on the season and if you're asking oh he's got to get ready then (laughs) (laughs) we welcome in mike babcock mike i'm going to the bullpen here for a little help with uh etiquette how do i discuss when you when you bean somebody junior uh, expect the response at some point in your baseball career should he go high or, or or go low or is the, the Elijah advice uh, of, of sweeping the leg, Johnny, the, the, the way to go here. Boy, I don't, I don't have a good response for that. Um, Next question. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think you need to take like a martial arts class mm. somewhere and then just pose like you're going to do something uh, and maybe that'll stop. Like you're scoring a touchdown for Alabama, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah take him to the old Muay, Muay Thai classes. But I got to say, I think the best method I've seen is when you throw the glove as a projectile to get the guy who's coming at you thinking, and then behind the glove is where you come with your, your first real attack. Then, then, you have a, then you have a form Levante David tackle. All right, we'll flip, we'll flip it. Yeah, we'll flip it to you, Elijah. Do you watch it happen or do you try and break it up as an ump? 
I, I treat it like hockey. Let him get a couple shots in before I'm going to step in. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, here's the thing. You don't hit him in the first place, and then that's good. No, you got to keep going. Is there a wrestling move that, that you liked back in the day, Babbers, that, that could be invoked on the baseball diamond, figure four, uh, or the claw uh, or something? You know, there were just so many that, uh, you know, like, you, well, you wouldn't have a ladder out there, so you couldn't climb up on the ladder and jump off on nor, nor a steel chair. No, you couldn't. Uh, you couldn't hit him with a chair or jump off the chair. Um, no, I guess. Uh, I guess I don't. Unless you just jump off the dugout. Yeah, I guess you could. You could run and hop up on the dugout and then jump out under the. And, and then you could go the, for the stone cold stunner right there. Yeah, <laughs> into the fray. <laughs> or, or or the uh, the elbow, Babbers. Uh, when <laughs> when you think NFL draft, uh, d- does Nebraska still carry some weight reputation wise as a school that produces NFL talent? Well, you know, I was trying to think about that when you. When, Kind of back in the day, it was almost like it wasn't necessarily Nebraska didn't necessarily produce NFL talent. I mean, it, it did, mm-hmm. but not to the degree that you're going to say Alabama does, because it was you know it fit a system and that option offense wasn't necessarily something that the NFL was looking at. I mean, if if you're looking at an option quarterback at that time. You probably weren't uh, an NFL team. Probably wasn't looking at an option quarterback. Or when Nebraska recruited a, an offensive lineman, uh, take a guy like uh, uh, Aaron Taylor. I don't think had a lot of a lot of offers from major schools because he wasn't tall enough. You know, he wasn't big enough uh, for an offensive lineman. But he was a perfect. I mean, what a collegiate career he had. Uh, coming to Nebraska, uh, he played center one season when they needed it. Uh, he was a guard. He won the uh, Outland Trophy um, it, because he was a good fit for the system. And so I remember some of those schools in the in the old Big Eight probably had a few more guys that would get picked, and you'd find them in the NFL. But they weren't they weren't as successful in the conference, if mm-hmm. that makes any sure. sense. I mean it. Nebraska had a very specific system, and it recruited for that system. And, you know, there were guys that uh, uh, certainly, uh, you know, Jason Peter, uh, Grant Westrom type guys, and uh, they come to mind immediately because they had an opportunity to go after their junior year, and they opted to stay because they wanted to win another national championship, and that's what they did in Coach Osmer's last season. You know, it wasn't all. It wasn't entirely looking at pro prospects. It was looking at guys that fit into the system, that made your system work. Guys that were good teammates and and good system oriented guys. I look at you know Crouch being a third round pick because of how big time of an athlete he he was, and and you know probably still is a good athlete. Same with Frosty. I mean, he was, uh, I think, a third-round guy that was just, yeah, you, you won a title, and I go play safety for Parcells because mm-hmm. of how, how athletic. And then Nebraska was right there with Donovan McNabb. I mean, McNabb was like the only option quarterback that comes to my mind. He ran option at Syracuse. But, man, we got under Andy Reid. He became a West Coast guy and had a really good career, went to, a couple, went to at least one Super Bowl. 
Yeah, yeah, Donovan McNabb. That was an interesting thing. It, Charlie recruited him, right? And, yeah, Charlie and, had him, and I think Danny yeah. Lee ticked and him the, off. The, the key, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because he wanted to play basketball as well, and uh, uh, Danny didn't want a uh, guy dividing his time between football and basketball. Um, that's a yeah, sore, that's a sore that's topic. You could have had him, but uh, didn't work out that way. <laughs> well, it'll be it'll be fun to watch this um, this weekend, and we've kind of detailed the, the Huskers that uh, that have an opportunity. And, and I'm just wondering, you know, from a scout's perspective, you look at look at the talent Nebraska's losing from from this last season and the talent that have great opportunity to make the step, the jump to the NFL. And then you look at the record at three and nine, and I'm sure that's come up with interviews and scouts and, and front office people when they've, when they've done the interviews with all these kids. Yeah, it probably has. But again, you, you can find guys that are NFL quality just because the team didn't have the record that you want. Um, you, you're probably not going to find as many again. If you use the Alabama example or Georgia or something like that, you know, where you're going to have multiple guys and a lot of a uh, lot of attention on on guys that could be uh, all first rounders or whatever. But that doesn't mean that if you're if you're three and nine that you don't have NFL quality talent and 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 guys that uh, you know can make a name for themselves in the NFL. Um, that's just not in the the same kinds of numbers. Um, that would be the difference, I, I, I would say. Mike Babcock's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Mike, Schmidt and I were talking on Monday about what the numbers of NFL drafted guys should be per year for Nebraska. And one of the points I brought up was for Nebraska to be back in a place where they're contending for Big Ten championships, they need to start getting some, some first-round talent coming out of the Husker football program. And I want to ask you, do you see any – guys on the roster right now that are showing first-round potential, guys you think someday down the road could be first-round guys? Boy, you know, I, I just have a hard time evaluating things that way. It's the same way with recruiting and five-star and four-star, you know, kinds of things. I, I just, I'm not smart enough to figure that figure that stuff out. But, you know, if, if you look at it, you know, how many five-star guys is Nebraska bringing in here? Well, not bringing in a lot of five-star guys. Um, so does that mean that there's not a lot of potential NFL first-round talent uh, available at Nebraska? I, I don't know how. I don't know how to read that. Um, I'm sure that in in their minds, you know, there are players on the team that have that kind of mentality, um, given the opportunity. But again, I think that what you have to look at from a collegiate standpoint. For, for Nebraska, what you have to look at is what players will fit your system best. Can you recruit them on that basis, not necessarily whether they're potential first-round NFL picks or not? I don't know if that's the in, entirely the only way you can evaluate how good talent is, although, again, I keep bringing up Alabama. Mm-hmm. You know, Alabama every year has guys that, uh, that fit that mold in just about every position area. But, uh, you know, that. I want to go back to uh, up front, the offensive line, the defensive line. That's where you got to start with guys, and and uh, so Nebraska had a had a pretty darn good offensive lineman in in uh, uh, Cameron Jurgens, mm-hmm. um, and those are the kind of players that you have to 
recruit and develop to fit your system first of all, and then look forward to the NFL. I mean, it, it, that that's a secondary consideration, I think, in evaluating talent for Nebraska. First consideration is get guys that fit the system here. Mike, a couple of minutes. Uh, a thought here on what the NCAA needs next as Mark Emmert will be shown the door in June. Do you need a football czar or do you start the divorce proceedings with uh, X number of schools that form their own deal and then there's the leftovers? How does this proceed? You know, that's going to be a tough, that's going to be a tough thing for whoever succeeds him. Um, you know, the first thing probably is that you have to find someone that knows that it's not the Kansas City Jayhawks. Okay. Um, <laughs> that it, you know, and kind, of, and kind of go from there involvement there but um i i think we're going to see a, a change in in college football how things are how things are going to occur uh, that position think about all the considerations now the the pressure um nil i think you've got to get some guidelines for nil because i think that's going to just be out of hand uh at some point but the way we're seeing some things shake out there um the transfer portal and th- these are football considerations. Then you've got consideration. The transfer portal affects other sports as well. I mean, look at the volleyball team losing somebody that uh, they really that they were going to count on. I think. Um, so that those are the kinds of things you're going to have to have somebody that really is involved and considers that it's a changing. It's not what it once was, and it's going to continue to change in that way. And uh, I think that's going to be really important. Uh, somebody that's going to have to be aggressive in, in dealing with these kinds of things. Well, there's uh, candidates uh, aplenty. Uh, it's going to be a, a sweet pitch to get somebody that, that air quote, gets it in the, uh, in the chair and to salvage this because it's been really, really crazy with uh, NIL, with Portal, with pandemic and uh, the fact that it's uh, you know a nonprofit set up reaping in billions with uh, yes. the tournament and, and all of that, and they've had no real say. They've had rules made for football, but they don't make any money off the college football playoff. Babbers will get caught up again. We'll figure out a a wrestling move next time we talk from the baseball diamond. All right. Yeah, we'll figure out something other than just jumping off the dugout. The dugout, right. That'd be a, that'd be a safety hazard. Yeah. Babbers, thanks so much, bud. Thanks for having me, guys. Be safe. Hello, listener. This is Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, get everything we produce 10 issues of our monthly magazine our annual football yearbook and all of the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code gbr for ten dollars off a full year of hail varsity that's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe promo code gbr and now and now back to hail varsity radio Thanks for spending time. Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery day by day. The documentary May 13th at the Rococo Theater. We'll check in with Jason Peter in 25 minutes. His thoughts on the doc and then Damian Daniels 
Draft Hopeful with us next hour. We say hi to Mike Shuhart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey, what do you know? It's finally warming up to, to swing the clubs. How you doing? I'm doing good. Hey, did I hear they have Jason Peter on? I Yeah, he'll be on in 20 minutes. Ask him, make sure you ask him how his golf game is. Oh, I will. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will do that. I know. Uh, you tell me. How's his golf game? <laughs> He's getting better, man. He works hard at it. We work hard at it. So he's getting better. He's getting better. That's awesome. That's awesome. How's the construction? We'll start there before we dive into all things Phil. And uh, you got May around the corner, and I know uh, things are getting ready to to launch, Shuey. Yeah, things are coming right along. So pool house is getting complete. The swim up bar, they're getting that little building complete. They filled up one of our pools. They were testing that, testing the other one. So there's a lot of, a lot of work going on over there. So it's getting closer every day. Mike Shuart's with us, Wilderness Ridge Golf. And Shuey, uh, excited for, uh, for what's going on at Wilderness. What would you have got DJ, excuse me, DJ and Paulina Gretzky? They were married over the weekend. Would you have re-gifted something or would you have gone – Something off the registry. Uh, had you been invited, maybe you were invited. I don't know, but if you if you would have attended, what would you have uh, provided them uh, for a wedding gift? I would have given him some ankle supports. Okay, <laughs> so he doesn't trip down the stairs and loses a master's because of it. Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good <laughs> take. So high top shoes with extra support. Yeah, that's that that makes sense. It's better than a toaster. That's right. So, uh, <laughs> well, come on, that's the go-to. If you, if you, do you harbor any ill will towards anyone at your wedding? It's what it sounded like. Not at all. <laughs> I, 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 the, the ill wills towards the wife because I got a KC Dia maker, and all of a sudden that thing with my George Foreman grill back in the days out uh, on the side of the road. I we had our reception at Wilderness Ridge, so we 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 love it. Shuey, uh, Phil Mickelson uh, in for the PGA, in for the U.S. Open requesting a release from the PGA to play in the, the Saudi tournament. What's your reaction? Uh, it'll be interesting to see. You know, somebody asked me the other day about the Saudi tournaments, and it's like they, they actually asked me, it said, if you were in that same position, would you play or wouldn't you? And it's like, to me, it's like no way I would play. And the reason is that the only reason you're playing in the Saudi tournaments is for money. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. I mean, it's about how much money can I make? I mean, if I'm a PGA Tour player and I'm playing for majors, that's the last place I want to go because you're not going to be eligible to play in any majors. You're never going to be eligible to play in the Ryder Cup. You're never going to be eligible to play in the President's Cup. You know, so really, why are you playing in those tournaments? In my opinion, it's just all about greed. It's all about how much money can I make, you know, which is, I guess, not a bad thing, but it's like, how much money do you need? You know, that's my question with Phil, and I know he's lost a, a boatload of sponsors that that have kind of walked away from him in lieu of of the 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 comments he made. But Phil's, I guess I'm going to count his money should be okay. You would hope so. Well, that's that's right. That's my my question is: Is he doing this for the money, or is he doing this because 
hey, it's something new. And, I mean, there, there's a shot at $255 million. I mean, eight events. Uh, we're talking $225 million. The seven regular season events, $25 million. You, you finish top 10, there's another 10 million. There's 8 million thrown in. I mean, there's just an incredible amount of money. And, and I know purses are really good in the PGA, as good as they've ever been, but it still isn't even close, quite honestly, to, to that money being thrown with the Saudi tournament. No, I think truly it's trying to open up another avenue to help enhance the tour. Okay. You know? in a sense, is that you start bringing tournaments like that in and they are PGA Tour sanctioned events, you know, it's like that just adds that much more credibility to the tour, that much more money, you know. So I don't think it's all about money. I mean, it is a lot about money because there's a lot of money out there. But I think it's another avenue that the tour doesn't have. They're not in those areas. Mm Mm-hmm. So can you create tournaments throughout the year that you go to Saudi and play? You know, it's like for the players, that's a great deal, you know, because they're playing in events that have huge purses with that. But at the same token, it's like, do you want to be associated with the Saudis? You know, from a political standpoint and things like that. Human rights, yeah. You don't want to make it a political issue because it's about playing golf Mm -hmm. on the PGA Tour. And I think that's, his approach, but there's, it's bigger than that. You know, it's like, I don't, I don't typically agree with how they conduct their business, you know? So I don't know. I, I just reading between the lines of what Phil initially said and what he was trying to do is his, he was kind of the spokesperson for the players. And I think that's really what it was is like, can we open up this Avenue, this arena that's that, we're not into right now and, and make that part of what we do. It just makes it better for everybody. Uh, it just didn't come across that way at all. Well, similar to the NFL playing a game in Europe, right? Every, every year for the regular yeah. season. I mean, just expand your market. What's your take with Jay Monahan though? I mean, you go back to his May comments, the threat being anyone who, um, uh, joins the Saudi league, faces suspension, potential lifetime ban. Is that hard and firm, or is that softened, do you believe, since May? I hope it's hard and firm, because I hope he keeps his and holds his stand that way. Because I truly believe, personally, is that why would I go play over there? Because if I'm, if I'm a top-level player, those players play for the biggest prizes. That's, that's really why they're playing now. Your your hundredth player on the tour, they they want the money. A, a, just a name, a Kevin Na, mm-hmm. uh, a name like that. You know, it's like, is Kevin Na ever going to play on the Ryder Cup team? Is Kevin Na ever going to be selected to the President's Cup? You know, is he going to win the Masters? You know, you look at a DJ. I mean, a DJ's already won, and he wants to continue to win. Jordan Speed, a Justin Thomas. So, are they willing? to sacrifice, if, if Jay sticks to his guns, he says, you're not eligible for any of that. So is, if that's not a big deal to them, which I think it is, knowing those guys, it's like once you get to a certain level, you're playing to win majors, you know, and, and play at the highest level that you can in the most prestigious events. So it's not just going to Saudi and playing in the Saudi Open 
and missing the Masters. I mean, that's not even a comparison. I don't care if the purse is 10 times what it is. The Masters is the Masters. The Saudi Open is the Saudi Open. They don't, they don't hold the same weight. You know, so I just don't see your big names doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, because there's, there's nothing to gain other than just lots of money that they already have. Some things are more, more than you can't put a price on a green jacket. Pretty much is. You can't. You can't go buy one. You got to no, win it. No, you got to absolutely win it. Mike Schuart's with us. Chewy will talk next week. Uh, keep that pool warm for me, all right? I'll do it. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, we'll dive into the NFL draft with Damian Daniels, how he's feeling, who he's heard from, and day by day, the Nebraska football documentary May 13th and 14th, couple of different showing times. You want more info on that, daybydaymovie.com. So where you go to, to get your tickets to it at the Rococo. And I know a lot of Nebraska fans excited for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. I know it's been uh, time in the making. And uh, Justin and the crew that put that together, along with all the former Huskers that, that weighed in, uh, it should be something really awesome. And Nebraska fans have been waiting a long time for – their uh, their light on the the documentary stage when you look at all the 30 for 30s that are out there and uh, day by day will tell a, a really cool uh, story that that a lot of us witnessed uh, went to participated in from uh, you know my family from the west balcony uh, i don't know how many saturdays in a row but it was a good time growing up and uh, Jason Peter with us in uh, 10 minutes to talk about uh, day by day. Reminder to get uh, buckled up. Game preparation and uh, repetition predicts success and winning drivers and vehicle passengers who always use their seatbelt will increase their survival chances if a crash should happen. Remember, always buckle up. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So the fighting Elijah Herbals, the Denver Nuggets, down to uh, a 3-1 deficit. The Warriors, their new death lineup. Wiggins has looked incredible. Tip-off tonight. Golden State minus 6.5. How you doing tonight? Have you uh, bought some ice for that drinky drink, or are you going to just step back and go, okay, they lost to Golden State. Moving on. Hey. I was already convinced that the series was over. Broom time when it was three nothing. So now that it's three one, I mean, my my hopes are up. You know, it's it's <laughs> a it's a case of the, the Nuggets have shown in the past that they have superpowers whenever they're down three to one in a series. So uh, they haven't shown much life uh, when they've been playing in San Francisco to this point here. But we shall see what happens tonight. The Nuggets need a lot of things to go their way for sure. They need a huge game from Jokic. They need a couple guys. Uh, on the bench to step up and, and get some bench scoring going. They, they need a, a strong game from Boogie Cousins, and they need two of the Warriors' three stars to, to not live up to expectations. So they need a lot of things to go right. Uh, if they get bounced tonight, so be it. Uh, it's okay. The Nuggets have a lot of injury problems this year, and I don't think it was ever meant to be their year to go win an NBA title, but I'm hoping for a good showing. On the basketball front, uh, Nebraska making the cut for Baylor Shireman. The list of teams that want his services 
uber impressive. Now, we shall see if things go the right way for, for Baylor. Really talented kid, South Dakota State, of course, out of Aurora. He is down in Atlanta with the, the NBA pre-draft camps going on. And he wants absolutely to, to get to the next level, the next league, and not have to come back to college. But Nebraska and Creighton both in it because of the Nebraska tie. So is Kansas and Kentucky. And Duke. And Duke and, and Arkansas and Texas and Wake. And, I mean, it's quite a list. But the guy can just rock from three-point land. Really impressive facets of his game with assists and rebounds as well. 47% from distance. We'll see if uh, things shake out in favor for Nebraska or its NBA for Shireman. Jason Peters up next. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's Hale Varsity dot com backslash subscribe promo code gbr welcome to hail varsity radio the voice of husker nation insight opinion expertise with the biggest and best names talking nebraska across the state join the show on twitter at hail varsity and at schmitz underscore radio call in at 402-466 espn or 1-800-825-5865 here's chris schmitz Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We welcome in uh, Husker legend Jason Peter with us to talk day by day the upcoming Nebraska documentary. Jason, thanks for a few minutes. How you doing? I'm good. How are you, Chris? Good, 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 good. And I know a lot of Nebraska fans excited about Day by Day, uh, the two-part documentary coming out. That'll be May 13th and 14th at the Rococo Theater. Daybydaymovie.com is where you can go and get the movie tickets uh, for a, a big weekend. Jason, I, I'm anxious to hear your perspective on this and, and just your role in this documentary. You're a major piece of, of the championship years, that golden era. What are you wanting with this film? Film as far as you know, what do you want Nebraska fans to, to see and experience? Oh, I, I just think it's a, a neat deal and a different deal where you know everything that's been done, whether you're talking about Nebraska or you're talking about you know any other program that had some sort of run, and you know, where they're coming from a fan base where you know people they eat that stuff up, you know, they love it. I mean, there's Nebraska football, that's, you know, that's the only show out here, right? So even when we talk about teams that are 25 years removed, right, there's a large part of this state that still feels like kind of it was yesterday, you know, and and they know all of the characters that are in this movie. Um, But now you're getting it from, you know, the kind of inside that locker room. Obviously certain stuff – you'd hope is just kind of locked away in the vault and, and never to be heard from again. But, uh, you know, for, for a lot of, uh, for a lot of, uh, you know, the stuff that, uh, that went on, um, you know, back then, you're kind of going to 
you're going to hear about it firsthand, you know, right out of the horse's mouth here. And uh, guys are going to tell you kind of exactly um, how it was or what was going through their heads. Um, you know, so it will be a, a, a much different perspective than I think, you know, uh, most documentaries that that are made out there just, you know, it, not just in Nebraska football, but in sports in general, I think. Jason Peter is with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Find him on Twitter at Jason Peter. Day by day, the documentary, May 13th and 14th at the Rococo. And uh, be sure to log on and get your tickets today, daybydaymovie.com. Coach Osborne talked a lot about chemistry. What did you notice the first time you stepped in that locker room, Jason, with with the team you were you were joining? Yeah, I mean it was uh, it was an intimidating thing, um, you know, much different than now. Uh, and obviously, being down there and, and helping out, um, you know, the way I have over the last couple of years, um, you kind of get to see how freshmen, you know, walk into into the locker room, and uh, it's it's different. You know, uh, you kind of were just. You didn't want to be, you know, quote unquote, noticed, you know, back then. You just kind of wanted to, to, to go with the flow. You wanted to be, you, you wanted to have to do everything, but you kind of didn't want to be noticed, you know, because if you were noticed, well, there's a good chance that, you know, the older guys were going to make uh, some sort of example out of you, whether it's, you know, in in good nature. Uh, sort of fun or if you know they think that you're a little too cocky for you know 17 18 year years old then then it, it will be a different approach um than sort of you know that the, those welcoming arms that uh, people like to talk about um yeah so you know it was uh, it was intimidating and, and you know it was this high-powered machine that was moving at the time uh you know it wasn't about i mean i guess there there was somewhat of the, the trying to get over the hump, um, you know, in, in a lot of ways with trying to, you know, beat some of those Florida teams. I mean, Nebraska was at a point where back then they would kind of, you know, run the table uh, in, in the Big Eight, um, you know, get themselves to the Orange Bowl, and then, you know, nine out of ten times they were kind of getting run off the field, um, you know, by a Florida or a Miami, a Florida State. And uh, and I was fortunate, you know, that I kind of stepped into this thing right as uh, there was like a, almost a changing of the guards and and kind of uh, um, this this uh, idea that losing any game is not acceptable, you know. Like the goal was to win them all, and I know every team kind of can say that going in, but that was the truth. It was. Uh, there, there was this firm belief, this firm mindset that we weren't going to lose to anybody, um, you know. And if you were a guy that was okay with losing a game or two games, then um, chances are you were you were not going to fit in in this crew. Um, you know, it was uh, the only the only standard, the bar that was set was. Uh, you know, having a, a zero under that, that L column. Um, and that was just the way that it was. 
Jason Peter, a couple more minutes with us day by day. The documentary on uh, Nebraska football, the incredible run, 60-3. and three. Uh, The Rococo Theater, May 13th and 14th. More showings, of course, daybydaymovie.com is where you go get your tickets. And uh, Husker legend Jason Peter uh, joining us to talk about the the documentary. Jason, uh, do you remember uh, kind of a come to Jesus in the locker room, either giving one or receiving one? Well, you know, you kind of had to. There was, you know, this little saying where you had to kind of pay rent. (laughs) Uh, and you got your initiation, let's just say, into Nebraska football when you got kind of moved up to that varsity locker room. Um, But, you know, for as great as the varsity locker room was, um, I think also being in that freshman locker room played just as big an impact in guys' life because it was, number one, it was a kind of a – uh, earning your stripes mm-hmm. sort of deal. Uh, so, you know, it was something that you knew everybody who had come into the program, who was successful in the program, had gone through the same sort of path, and they had to do the same thing. Um, but then it also made you kind of appreciate, um, you know, the varsity locker room and being up in that sort of uh, – uh, being part of that brotherhood, um, you know, because back then it was, uh, you know, that freshman locker room. I mean, you got to know your fellow freshman teammates real well. Uh, you know, you kind of, you knew where guys had birthmarks where you wished you didn't know that information. <laughs> you know, you, 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 you knew whether, uh, you know, their, their moms and dads taught them to, to, to wipe front to back or back to front. I mean, you were up close and, and personal with everybody. Uh, there were no... <laughs> There, there were no doors on, on, on the stalls. Come to think of it, there were no stalls. Uh, you know, it was just. Uh, wow. It, it was. I'm guessing it was. You know, kind of like the military, uh, where it was just you know head after head after head after head, and uh, that was it. But you know, when you when you got up there and uh, you kind of got the the nod of approval that hey, okay, you know. Jason Peters getting moved up in the varsity locker room today or Grant Wistrom or, uh, you know, Jay Foreman, whoever, um, you know, it was like, it was, it was a big day. Um, and it was another step all these benchmarks that you have, you know, uh, over the course of your time here at Nebraska and certainly getting moved up into that varsity locker room was, was one of them. Jason, we'll get you out of here on this. Thanks for the time. It's great to, to catch up again. Your time as a volunteer coach down at Nebraska and working with all the kids. Uh, how rewarding has it been for you? And uh, just touch on on the D-line and, and some of the talent in that room. Oh, it's great, you know. Got a great, really great group of kids. You know, I, I'm not going to come on and say all this, you know, stuff that, that people have kind of been hearing for the last few years. I mean, all I can tell you is, is what I see. And, you know, you got good kids that are working hard. No matter what anybody else thinks out there, you know, they're not wanting to lose. Uh, they're not trying to lose. It's a progression, you know. 
you know, it almost you think back to, to when Bo was here and he used to talk about, you know, the process and people got tired of the process, right? But you know, there there's a lot of truth in that. It, it is a process and not to say that, you know, winning nine games or losing nine games by, by you know, six points or whatever uh, is part of, of, of that process. It's seeing these kids go out and each day we're asking them to be better than they were yesterday. And if they can come out and they can do that, that's all you can really ask, you know, is that they, they're better today than they were yesterday. And obviously there are days where, you know, practice uh, you feel like isn't great. That's ever, uh, I don't care if you're talking about 95 Huskers or you're talking about the 2022 Huskers. Um, you know, it, bad practices are part of the deal. You just got to be able to recognize that it was bad and recognize um, – you know, the things that made it bad and make sure that it doesn't happen again. But, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, a, a, like I said, a, a group of good kids, obviously, you know, nothing is, is without, uh, uh, it's not never an easy path. Mm-hmm. And, uh, obviously leading up into this season, it's kind of, you know, gotten difficult here, uh, with some of the choices that some guys have made, but this is the deal. You can only roll with the guys that want to mm-hmm. be here. And the guys that want to be here, I wouldn't want to trade them for anything in the world um, because they know they know what it takes. Um, they never complain. Uh, they want to win more than anybody. I can guarantee you that, you know, no matter if there's uh, five people in Memorial Stadium or if there's 90,000 people in Memorial Stadium, nobody wants to win more than those kids that are dressed in the uniforms. And for the most part, they're do, they do everything that we ask them to do in preparation uh, for those wins. So, uh, you, you know, it's it's one of those things. I hate to say you just kind of hope, you know, like you don't want to ever wait, you know, wait for the light or wait for, for us to get over that hump. you got to force yourself to get over that hump. And, you know, a big part of it is, is leadership, and that's something obviously that myself um, – uh, you know, Jay Foreman have been kind of helping with me with that as well, with, with building that leadership um, so that the team can kind of run itself. You know, you want it so that that, that inner leadership, those guys, whether it's the, the four captains or, you know, it's the, the 15 or however many seniors you have, those guys, they all got to take ownership. And when they take ownership in the thing and it means more to you, you're willing to go that extra mile and uh, do the extra things that, that, that nobody wants to do. And, you know, some, I always tell them, it's like, what do you do? It's easy when the cameras are here, you know, and, and, or, or we got, you know, fans in to watch a, a game, a spring game or whatever. I said, but what do you do when nobody's looking, when nobody's watching? I go, because that, that, that's what separates, you know, the chumps from the champs. And, uh, and it's just a matter of getting more guys continuing to find guys that, uh, you know, think that way and, and operate that way. Um, you know, it's not about the glory. It's not about the articles. It's not about, you know, the Twitter love and all that stuff. It's about the guys in that locker room and, and uh, you know, playing for one another. And then ultimately on Saturdays you're going out and you're playing for, you know, the 80,000 people that are in that stadium. Well said. Jason Peter, day by day. Uh, Jason, a part of the documentary. A lot of Nebraska fans excited to see it. What are you shooting today on a Hi, uh, golf days are over. My body's too jacked up, you know. Uh, now it's just about teaching the young with the, the kids. 
and I'm not was never good enough to be a teacher anyway at golf. So uh, I'll leave this. I'll leave that to the pros. But geez, with all this wind out here, um, you know, in, in Nebraska lately, can't be fun to be playing golf. It's uh, it's a challenge for sure. Jason, best to you. Uh, thanks for a few minutes today. Anytime, Chris. Talk to you later. Good stuff from Jason Peter, day by day documentary, and uh, loved hearing his perspective on it, specifically the <laughs> the legendary freshman locker room. I can only imagine. But uh, yeah, uh, the uh, who had birthmarks, who uh, who didn't hygiene topics, but yeah, that's uh, that's pretty big for Nebraska to have uh, guys like uh, Jason and, and, and Jay down there because uh, you've heard Coach Osborne talk about it, you hear Coach McBride talk about it, uh, the leadership, the chemistry, and uh, it's easy to, to say, hey, yeah, there's good leadership, there's good chemistry, and then there's difference-making leadership, difference-making chemistry that that turns a a really good team into a great team and then the thought is to to pay it forward and so the the next wave of guys we've talked about nebraska and the run they've had with guys that get loaded up and it's it's draft pick after draft pick after draft pick if you look from mid-70s through uh the mid-2000s right where you're just kind of reloading and reshuffling Okay, uh, you just had Grand Wistrom go number six overall or Jason Peter go number 14 overall. Who's who's next? And in that line is a guy like a Vandenbosch or a Steve Warren. So uh, you got to you got to get it done uh, on on the field performance wise. But it starts in the locker room. One of those guys moving on from Nebraska. And hoping to hear his name this weekend, Damian Daniels. We'll talk with the defensive tackle next on Hale Varsity. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery NFL Draft Week. We'll have the draft going Thursday, and we welcome in a defensive tackle with Nebraska, Damian Daniels. Follow him on Twitter at dboogie underscore 93. Damian, how's the week been for you, man? Thanks for the time. Uh, it's been good. I've been, you know, just staying busy, just uh, working out and just running, you know, standing shape and everything like that. You know, it's a big time in, in my life right now. Just blessed and happy to be where I am. What are the plans for you? with the draft weekend i'm not doing anything big uh, you know just my family they were going to come they're going to come over and you know uh share the moment with me uh whenever i get a call uh preparing that i get a call and everything you know just a special moment once in a lifetime experience and uh, i just can't wait to to experience it let's talk about the experience damien leading up to uh to the draft how's it been for you what, what is some of the feedback you have it's been good feedback i've been getting you know, it was a lot of teams they were surprised that i came out this uh this upcoming year they were looking forward to me leaving next year 
And, um, you know, with the COVID-19 rule and everything, they, they're looking at me to becoming a, a sixth to seventh to priority free agent uh, in the process, you know, with me and everything, uh, the, with the, the season we had this past year, hopefully it would have did us justice if we had a winning season, could have been higher. But uh, I decided to just take my shot and uh, try for the league this year and uh, just want to see where I land. What was that process like for you when it came to, to the decision to move on? Who'd you talk to at Nebraska? Who'd you talk to when it comes to family and other mentors in your life? At the stadium, I talked to Coach Tuyote, talked to Coach Fish, Coach Chins and Coach Frost, and everybody they like I, everybody wanted me back for another year, and um, it was a hard decision. And uh, talking to my brother and, and the twins, and uh, my uh, roommate Deontay Thomas, uh, they just told me, hey, it's, it's my choice. Uh, I can do another year. Or I could, or I could go, and then like at the end of the day, it was just it was all my decision. I chose because I felt like I was ready to just take that next step. Damian Daniels with us, Hale Varsity Radio. So let's go through last season and a number of games you guys were close in. Where did you grow most? What were you most proud of with, with your performance and, and the defense overall? Man, with my performance, you know, uh, it's no iron team or anything like that. With the, the way the defense performed this past year, it was phenomenal. I felt like even though we came up short, only if we had a couple more plays that we could have got back, it would have been a great a great year. But as a defense as a whole, I feel like we could have sold it in, uh, even though we knew we wasn't going to a bowl game or anything. But the way we kept coming out and fighting uh, as a team and playing for the brother to our left and to the brother to our right, it was a great thing to see. We could see it right when we came came in for practice and lifts on Monday. The way everybody, their mentality, their mindset and everything, uh, everybody, they was just ready to attack the next challenge. No matter no matter if it was a win or a loss, everybody was just there to attack. Damian Daniels is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. And Damian, we keep talking about last year and how many close games there were and a defense that was as dominant as the one you played on last year. What would you say the most valuable thing you learned from that defensive unit over the past season? Most valuable thing I learned was it was a lot of things. First off, just the fight that we had, not just on the defense, but uh, on the offense as well. But another thing is, like, we were just ready for whatever, like, whatever happened, happened, and we just played the next play. I know last year, well, two years ago, the 2020 season, when something went bad, everybody was like, oh, man, here we go again. But this year, every this past year, everybody was just like, Hey, we good. Just play the next play. You know, something something's gonna come out in our favor, and um, that's one thing we kind of did. We just stayed positive throughout each each and every game, each and every play, each and every quarter. Just tried to do our best, to do the best that we could. Get into just what it takes to play on the inside in the Big Ten, man. Nebraska fans specifically uh, love watching football. You've had to live it <laughs> the last few years <laughs> on the interior. What type of personality and determination does that take to? to keep smashing against other 300-pound dudes? Man, uh, well, first and foremost, uh, it all starts by being a, being a dog. You got to have a dog mentality. When I say dog mentality, you got to line up each and every day and uh, just look look the man across from you and just let him know that you're going to be there. Uh, let, let you know that you're not going to be a, get pushed around, that you're going to assert your dominance over them. And that's one thing that I, I try to make sure I did each and every day, each and every play. My tenacity and everything, um, the way I played, I just just gave it all, like, just an extra second longer than the, uh, my opponent and just making sure I would just put hands on them. Yeah, it's all a mentality, really, playing in the middle. Nebraska lost Coach Tuioti. He's off to Oregon. Your time with him, how did he uh, help improve you? 
And Coach Tuyota, he helped improve me, not just on the field, but off the field as well. Just uh, me off the field. Coach Tuyota, he was like a, a father from home. I could call him whether I needed anything, if I needed some advice or some help. Coach T, his phone number was open 24-7 for all of us. And uh, I was really thankful to have him as a coach. And with my play, Coach T, he helped me understand the X's and O's a lot a lot better. And he just helped me like put my own little my own little twist into my game and just help me find the player that I am. And uh, I'm thankful that I had Coach T as a coach and everything like that. Shout out to Coach Tuyote. I hope uh, all is well with you and the family. When it comes to, to projections with the NFL, what teams, if you want to get into it, have reached out to you when it comes to their style and your style meshing? Who are some of the teams you've heard from? I've heard from the Cowboys. You know, me being a, a Dallas kid, uh, it was pretty big here from the hometown team, but uh, I know back in January, I talked to 16 uh, total teams, I talked to the Baltimore Ravens, and today I met with the Saints, the Texans, and the Raiders I uh, talked to earlier this week and uh, everything, but uh, it, it's a lot of teams that's been reaching out, and I'm just uh, blessed to be in the position I am, and it's all in God's hands. Damian Daniels with us on Hale Varsity Radio, and Damian, what has it been like going through the draft process or the pre-draft process with some of your teammates from last year, have you guys been able to bond over that and work out together? What has that been like? I really haven't been able to get back and work out with some of the guys. I know when uh, back for pro day, I got a chance to, you know, get a little lift in with Austin Allen and Cam Jurgens. Austin Allen and Cam Jurgens, those guys are for sure going to get their name called. I'm just happy that I had the opportunity to play with them and, and share some moments at Nebraska with them. And, uh, you know, those are great guys and everything. Yeah, you know, different experiences and everything. You know, both of them, they got invited to the combine. You know, we were just kind of chopping it up and talking about uh, what they went through and everything like that. Just the experience overall that they had to go through at the combine. It was just great to hear hear about it because, you know, I heard about it from my brother and everything and then the twins. And then, you know, they uh, the next year they didn't have it. So this year it was the first year they had it back for Austin Allen and – Cam Jurgens to get invited to that, it was a big deal. And I was really happy for him. Did you reach out to the twins and and did you talk to your older brother about making the leap? Did you get their feedback? Oh, yes, sir. I did. They just pretty much told me, like like I said earlier, it was my decision, my choice. They said that that they know I'll be a, a, a dominant a dominant force in the league and whatever I do, they know that I'll be ready for it. And uh, I know I'm, I'm ready for it, and I, I just can't wait to see what the future holds. Damian Daniels with us. Damian, a thought on this upcoming Nebraska team. You still keep in contact with some of the guys? Uh, any any feedback on the spring? Yeah, I, t- I talked to a couple of the guys and everything, and t- having a drop point or anything, and uh, that, that was good to hear. And uh, even when I was there looking at the spring game and I uh, sat in on a couple practices uh, watching them, Move around and run. It, it, they they look really, uh, they look great. Just out there having fun with with each other, and like I said, no drop off point. And uh, I know I talked to Ty Robinson and that, and you know Casey Rogers and everybody. And uh, I just had to have the conversations with them, and just told them like people thought a couple years ago that the D line was going to be the weakest link, the weakest link of us uh, of the team this past year, and. We end up being one of the strongest, the strongest forces. So uh, I told them it's probably going to be the same thing this upcoming season, and just prove everybody wrong. And they they did exactly that. Uh, when I watched the spring game, they looked really good. They were moving around. They got a lot of reps and everything. And uh, the future, the sky's the limit for them. You surprised about Casey Rogers hitting the portal? Oh yes, sir. I, yeah, I, I was. 
I was. Good luck to Casey wherever he chooses to go. But yeah, you know, is it, is the portal in in NIL? Was it overwhelming to to have, or was it was it a welcome opportunity? It was a good opportunity for uh, other guys. I felt like mm-hmm. uh, because you know back then before the, the portal and everything happened, people had to uh, sit out a year. Mm-hmm a year before they could start playing again and everything. But I feel like it's a, a good opportunity for guys to, you know, reestablish themselves, find a, a home for them to actually grow. Because, you know, sometimes some people go to go to schools and everything, uh, they commit to schools uh, because of a coach and, some, and something might go bad and the coaches might, might uh, depart part ways mm-hmm. with the program and the kids are just stuck there. And probably got to just sit there for the rest of their uh, remaining eligibility, not knowing if the coach, if their new coach uh, liked them or not, or anything like that. And then it's like with the competing and everything, uh, with the portal rule coming in, I, I feel like it, it's been helping a, a lot of players lately. So I, I hope the best for Casey. Last side here, Wall at Nebraska, and best to you, Damian, as you head off to the uh, NFL opportunities. At what point did you feel ready and, and confident? How long did it take you to get to that point from a snap count standpoint to, to really contribute and to play me? I was always ready to, you know, uh, snap counts and everything. Uh, if I was given the chance to make plays, I was just I was always ready for that opportunity. It was just never given to me until uh, I had a I had a, a meeting with Coach Chins and Coach Coach T, and I uh, we had a conversation and we talked, and I just told them that I want to be able to help my team. And based off the snap counts and everything, Coach uh, T and Coach Chen said that they want to see, they want to see me change my body. They want to see me, um, you know, be able to stay on the field for uh, longer than three snaps. And uh, I, to- I told them that I could do it, and I showed them that throughout camp and everything. And uh, they trusted me, and I went out there and I did my thing. And uh, that's when I knew, like, I, I knew that I was, I was cut out for it. So how much weight did you, you trim off? Because you went from, you know, uh, 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 some impactful snaps in your career to a ton of snaps last year. Oh, um, I, it was really, it was like, so I just cut off some bad weight, sure. uh, some body fat. And um, I was 325 the 2020 uh, year. And after that year, uh, I uh, really dived straight deeper into my diet and, mm-hmm. uh I got played this past year, the 2020 year, around 310, 315 in that area, and I, I just felt good. I was moving good, and I was, I, it was just feeling. I was just feeling great, like my joints, my feet, and everything. It was just feeling great, and uh, you know, I was, I stayed motivated, and just not just that, but hearing my coaches and uh, some of my teammates tell me that I look good and um, I'm moving pretty well, it, it, it just gave me that extra boost that I needed. Damian, best uh, best of luck this weekend. We'll we'll talk again, and thanks for a few minutes with us today. Hey, thank you for having me, Damian Daniels. Uh, we'll see where he ends up. Uh, he said himself, sixth, seventh round, maybe possible uh, free agent, uh, preferred free agent, but a guy that's uh, that big and that strong and can move that quickly, uh, he'll get uh, he'll get noticed for sure. We'll see where. That shakes out. Hail Varsity continues, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a caught preteen Swedish boy. Back into it, it's Hale Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us. Dr. Brandon, how are we doing? I'm doing great, Chris. How are you, buddy? Doing a lot better than uh, Joel Embiid. I know Philadelphia is uh, stressing out the city of brotherly love, but... Uh, Embiid, unlike some of his other NBA brethren, fighting through a, a pretty severe injury here. Let's talk about Embiid and this uh, this sprained thumb, Doctor Brandon. Yeah, you know, so trying to read through the lines here, figure out exactly what they're what they're talking about. His uh, sprained thumb, obviously, kind of a variety of things can happen with this type of injury. Uh, what I assume they're talking about here would be what we call a, a UCL, a ulnar collateral ligament type of injury. You know, we've talked about that before, kind of in the elbow. This to be a different area if you kind of zero in on your thumb and the base of the thumb basically kind of where the where the knuckle would be if you will of your thumb we call that the mcp joint um on the inside part of that if you were to think about taking your thumb and pinching a piece of paper between your thumb and your index finger that's kind of what that ligament does it provides support there stability there uh what happens is kind of a sprained thumb you kind of pull that thumb to the same side as the thumb and it stretches out that area stretches out that ligament you kind of lose that ability to bring that thumb closer to your index finger and that's essentially what's this probably happened here um it sounds like uh, he's going to want to continue to try to play through this it does make it a challenge so when you think about this as his uh, shooting hand and trying to grip the ball, trying to have that control on the ball can be pretty problematic with this type of injury. Well, he is going to gut it out. He suffered the injury in the first half against Toronto and went for 28 second-half points, still scored 21 <laughs> points and, and eight rebounds in game four, a loss. Philly's teetering right now up three games to two. So it's a little difficult there, but uh, surgery is going to be required. Let's talk about the uh, the, the procedure here, Doctor Brandon, to to fix this uh, this ligament issue and and what what's the the, the long term effects and uh, can he make it? I don't know uh, beyond repair in some instances by continuing to play with it. Yeah, you know, great questions, Chris. So, you know, just answering that kind of last one, you know, can he continue to play as he is without getting it fixed? Definitely can. Probably is modifying a little bit with how he's shooting and maybe maybe how he's gripping the ball. Uh, but really, I'm surprised with the amount of things athletes can do with this injury. Obviously, it depends on even you know the severity of his injury and the sprain and kind of the looseness that's there. Um, but when you look at this from a surgical perspective, 
Uh, these do these do well. Uh, I would assume yeah, he's going to return and have you know a really good prognosis for getting back to same level or higher. Uh, the, the issue is you know kind of on the recovery side. You're looking at something like this. I'm I'm thinking probably a three to six month kind of recovery scenario with him. Um, in terms of fixing these, there's kind of a variety of options to do it. Essentially, what we have to do is tighten up the ligament or, or recreate the ligament. It's a very small area. Um, you know, if there is a decent amount of tissue left, you can put some stitches through that, sewing that ligament back together. Um, however, though, if you get to an area where there's just not much tissue left, then you have to think about using some kind of artificial things. And we have some kind of specialized suture that we can use, uh, something called like an internal brace type construct that we can utilize to basically reestablish that connection, that ligament and that stability. When it comes to rehabbing post-surgery, how uh, sensitive Dr. Brandon is this area of the body and specifically to uh, to a right-handed basketball guy that's going to go 6'9", 6'10", and, you know, 270 down in the paint. I know it's not the 80s when it comes to physicality in the NBA, but it's still <laughs> it's still not a walk in the park uh, night in, night out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, pretty sensitive early on. You know, some challenges early on. So you think about, you know, you're stabilizing the ligament, but fingers and joints in particular in the hands can be pretty unforgiving. So they, they tend to get stiff pretty quickly. So, you know, an early aggressive uh, range of motion protocol while trying to protect this ligament repair is going to be important. Um, and that will be a challenge for him. We'll be regaining that range of motion. Um, you know, just terms of the sensitivity there, once you kind of get past that, you know, first eight, 12 weeks of this, that sensitivity really kind of goes away or significantly diminishes. Um, I don't see any big issues long-term from that sensitivity perspective. From a, you know, stability perspective, you know, these do well. Um, I think he'll redevelop, you know, good stability in the area. I still think he can get down and, you know, bang the bodies and, you know, do the uh, plenty of shot block and get the rebounds that he needs uh, to do what he needs to do. And I don't think that'll be a huge, you know, hit for him. Again, I think the biggest thing with these is, you think about kind of fine tuning your shot and just the touch that those players have on the ball. And, you know, how does something like this kind of change some of that dexterity? I think that'd be a concern is, you know, redeveloping that dexterity and those kind of mechanics, ball mechanics that he had previously will be a challenge. Talking about Joel Embiid, the sprained right thumb, he continues to give it a go and he just wants to win. So he's putting his team first and, He's battling through, and he's had a, an injury history with microfracture and knee injuries, but he is trying to bring home that uh, that first MVP award for him and, uh, and and carry the team forward. Dr. Brandon, what about re-injury to this region because of where he plays and, and what he does? Just because you have it fixed once, could it, could it get hurt? Can he get hurt again in this right thumb region? Yeah, you, you definitely can. Um, the risk uh, risk essentially kind of goes back to normal, and in some instances, you know, depending on how much kind of scar tissue he lays down in the area, maybe that risk becomes less over time for him. Um, and it really would take another pretty good trauma to get back to this level. Um, you think about the number of you know, kind of jammed fingers, jammed thumbs that you have playing basketball, and and this you know, finally happened to him after how many occurrences. So pretty rare injury. Um, so I would say answer that question, a pretty low risk of this, you know, happening again. It's a Jock Doc Wednesday, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us, uh, Joel Embiid, our topic. Can he lose strength? Can he lose strength in the right hand overall because of, of this injury? 
Yeah, we sure could. You know, especially that that strength going from you know thinking about bringing your thumb over to the index finger, you absolutely could lose you know some strength from that perspective. Um, it's got to be an area that really have to dial in his you know hand therapy. What what all goes into hand therapy when it comes to those specialists? Yeah, and so when we look at uh, just kind of physical therapy in general, you do have some subspecialties there. There's you know, some sports medicine kind of focus, uh, you know, shoulder specific therapist. Uh, but there is a, a thing called a certified hand therapist that really does you know dial in exclusively on hand and wrist therapy. Uh, they go through you know, some pretty uh, specialized certifications for that. It's a delicate area. You know, again, we always want to try to preserve motion, be aggressive with motion, but as you're recovering from certain things, you, there's some really specific protocols you have to follow to kind of maintain that motion, but also protect the repair that you've done. Um, and that's where you know, having a certified hand therapist is really helpful for a lot of those kind of hand and wrist injuries. You know, we're fortunate here in Lincoln, we have some really fabulous ones here in Lincoln and they make a big difference, especially when you have some kind of specialized, you know, tendon repairs, this would definitely fall in that kind of specialized category with this ligamentous repair having somebody who's really well versed and you know just basically knowing how hard to push somebody with certain range of motion but also protecting that ligament repair while maintaining motion elsewhere is, is just super super critical dr brandon cypher with us a jock doc wednesday nebraska orthopedic center and our topic joel Embiid. dr brandon we'll talk again soon thanks for a few minutes sounds great chris you guys take care like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this Wednesday on Hale Varsity. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, Hale Varsity Radio, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Give us a review. Let us know what you think and uh, take it with whenever it's convenient for you. And uh, we'll be back at it tomorrow. NFL Draft with us at 6. Russ Landy, NFL Draft Insider for a lot of years. Front office for Belichick with Cleveland and Vermeil in uh, with the Rams. So uh, Mr. Landy will be with us tomorrow. Brandon Vogel will join us. Uh, Gary Barnett from the golf course or maybe from the 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 um, the, the tee box and uh, Burke's best bets. Danny Burke get us some NBA insight to, to more of the playoff series. You can always email the show Chris at HaleVarsity.com and a uh, few handles for you to follow on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal and uh, at Hale Varsity at ESPN Lincoln. Crazy story. Send it to you, Elijah. So there's a older gentleman that likes to golf in Florida. Shocking news. Crazy headline. But some guy was walking his dog 
along the golf course, along a path, and this elderly gentleman took out a weapon, fired it, and then proceeded to go to town with the golf club and beat the guy. I didn't see the end of the story. I saw the headline and a little bit of the news on it. Did uh, the dog walkers survive? I believe yes. But still, you get shot in the ankle and then beaten like your Shooter McGavin. Well, the, the, one of the, the the funny parts, if you can call it funny in, in this story, was... Yeah, it's that, funny because it isn't us. Well, they, they talked to the guy afterwards, the guy who got shot at, and he said... I realized whenever he started firing rounds at me, I had to go hide behind a tree that he might be looking to kill me. Like, I don't know. I, I think he might, like, after the first shot, maybe, I think you might have realized this guy's looking to looking to kill you. I mean, <laughs> I don't think it takes a couple of shots in the point where you're behind the tree. We go, wow, man, this guy means business. Once he took the, uh, the, the wedge out of the bag that far away from the green, you knew it was on after <laughs> the shots were fired. I saw this story after we talked to Shuey. But we will keep it in our back pocket when we talk to Mike Shuhart, Wilderness Ridge, next week. Tell me, what's the angriest you've ever been on a golf course and why? That, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm making you go off the top of your head. No, here, I mean, so. I, I know it. I, I broke a three-wood club head trying to chop a tree down because I was pissed. <laughs> and I, I've, just, I've given up that rage and anger. When something good happens, you just get back in the cart and you take another sip. I, I'm done chasing the fact that I'll ever be worth a damn in golf. Mm. See, my, my brother and I have decided that this summer uh, we're each going to go golfing or together. We're going to go golfing together once a week this summer until we figure it out and finally get respectable enough that we can go you'll, you'll never, golf with people. You'll never, you'll, I mean, listen, you'll never, ever, ever figure it out. That's just golf in general. Well, I'm just saying uh, enough that I'm not losing five or six golf balls per 18 See, and when if I, go, I can keep it to one or two i'll be happy when i go with my dad like he'd, <laughs> he'd get pissed because i'd tee off and i couldn't find the ball it just it just irritated him to no end like where the hell's your ball i don't know man i thought i hit it straight if i would have hit in the water at least i could drop talk to you tomorrow at four thanks a huda media production